Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts podcast. Today we're joined, we have a full house. We have two guests from Virginia, uh, brother Amin and sister. What are you guys doing from Virginia, first of all? Driving through? Driving through? MashaAllah. Good, good, good. We'll have to take care of you then. If that's the case. We have uh, a couple from Virginia who are driving through. We have our old school, Ali bin Saad. You all know Ali bin Saad if you've been around from 2015 to 2018 or so. Then he got married, had a kid, and disappeared into the cave of life. Right? <laughs> and now he has to work. He has to wake up early. He's got too much going on. But he's a student of Sheikh Mahmoud Shabib, which I'm studying Maliki Fiqh, and he's also studying Maliki Fiqh. And then we have Imam Bashir Bilal, a New Yorker, and a Circassian, which means do not mess around. <laughs> I gifted him some nice dark chocolate to eat. He gifted me with this. A blade, okay? Uh, blood resistant <laughs> from corrosion, right? This company is um, it's really sleek. It's like really sleek, very quiet. Uh, so you could whip it out without anyone hearing. <laughs> but this is how they roll in Dagestan and Circassia and Abkhaz. Because there are, if I'm not mistaken, there are seven Circassian countries. Anyone who's in uh, Central Jersey in the area, anyone who uh, has been in, around us in the last two years, has gotten a full education about Circassia from Murad Osman. <laughs> My daughter said, we learn as much Arabic as we do learn about Circassia. Right? <laughs> he's, he's the Arabic teacher. We learn about Circassia more than we learn Arabic sometimes. So I know as much that there are seven Circassian countries and Abkhaz is one of them. He's from there and you're from there. So now Imam Bashir being our guest, tell us uh, exactly. You're a New Yorker and your dad's an Imam. So I'm very interested in this because that means your dad he grew up, he studied and he had a religious fervor in his heart at a time when not many Turks, because you're Circassians who lived in Turkey. Yes. The Sharaksa, sometimes they're called Charaksa, right? Uh, however they pronounce it. They, they live in Jordan. They live in Syria. They live, of course, in their countries. And they live in Turkey. These are the four main areas where they live. So your dad lived in Turkey at a time when uh, secularism was a dominant force. So tell us exactly how is it your dad got involved in the deen how did he even survive, and, and, and how was that spirit kept alive? Because we could learn a lot uh, about the science of keeping your spirit alive when it comes to that. Jazakallah khair and Sheikhna, it's an honor to be here. It's, uh, I've always watched your podcast online and always uh, had great uh, affinity, love, and respect for your heart, your work. MashaAllah, may Allah bless you and continue to give uh, you the best you of too. success. You too. And it's an honor to, through Nur al-Iman Academy and brothers who are also here who facilitated this whole gathering mashallah alhamdulillah may Allah be pleased with you all jazakumullah khairan um, it's a very uh, uh, blessed topic that's near and dear to my heart and I mentioned this tahadduth uh, in ni'mah and uh, you know as a gr gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's my father and actually close to more than 20 members of our family that all graduated from some form of dirasa uh, sharia. So we have alimas, we have imams, we have mashayikh, alhamdulillah. But um, I, I would say, both from my paternal and maternal side, my grandparents, um, perhaps like dhurriya saliha, that uh, their strong dua and dedication. One thing that my father shared from my grandfather, Allah yarhamu, I never met him, he passed away when my father was 18. He said, uh, I was a child, there are nine siblings, he said it was Ramadan and we couldn't wake up for suhoor. And he said, my, my grandfather said, no one slack their siyam. Mm. My father said, I'm not even, you know, sin rushed, I'm still a child. Meaning you can't wake up, it's against the law? No, he, you know, they missed the suhoor oh, basically. Okay. They overslept basically. Okay. Our village is up in the, in the mountain, just like mm. back home. Okay. So it's like 10 houses in the whole village. So there's no law that's really bar barring anyone from practicing, up there mm. at least, maybe in the cities, different issues. But the reason they missed was because they overslept. Mm. And my, my grandfather said, nobody cheat your siyam yeah. just because you couldn't make sahur, don't, you know, don't eat your siyam. Mm. He said, I'm seven or eight years old. He said, I'm barely at the age of accountability. I went into the forest and I was uh, eating wild berries secretly as a child. And he said, only to look up and see that my father 
He's holding a huge boulder over my oh, head, oh my about God. to crush me That's for going against his orders and the Siyam. He said, I was honored and lucky enough to have one of his elder brothers grab my grandfather by the arms, and he was a strong man, subhanAllah. They say that when he rode the horse, he got on the horse, his feet would touch the floor. Wow. SubhanAllah. That's Maybe a Mustang. Yeah. yeah, SubhanAllah. And <laughs> he said that he escaped, but his two brothers, they got wow. the beating that he was supposed oh to get. And he told me, like, my grandfather, SubhanAllah, yarhamhu, um, even in the winter time, and the mountain is very cold. He said, even in the winter time, when we didn't have, like, the, the water would freeze, and we would have to melt snow, and it was still cold. He said he would never miss any prayers, never allow anyone in the household to miss prayers. And my father, and I'm sorry for going so long on this tangent here, Sheikh, but I really want to share this with yeah. you. Um, my father, when he finally went to study the Islamic studies in the, again, illegal Islamic schools that were still mm. there, um, he got into trouble a few times to the point where he actually stabbed one of his fellow oh students. So they obviously thought of Diani, they kicked him out. <laughs> He came home with his bedding and whatever supplies he had and was living in the madrasa. And my grandfather saw him and said, where are you coming from? Mind you, all his elder brothers, they also studied. He said, they kicked me out. So, yeah. Before he said, I could put my uh, stuff on the, ch on the couch in the house, he grabbed my hand we went right back to the madrasa. Wow. He said to the mashayikh, if you do not need him, I do not need him. Wow. Throw him off a cliff. He's going to become an imam or he's not worth anything to me. He's not a child of mine. So that's how my father, <laughs> he studied this, uh, wow. Islam and he said, he got my act, I said, I got my act together and this, I realized. This is the same culture that Habib, when they wanted to train him how to wrestle, they gave him to a bear. Yes, right? subhanAllah. You, you all seen that video with Habib's got a bear, yes. right? You saw that one? Yeah. He's wrestling with a bear. These are different people. This is a whole different breed of humans. Yeah, subhanAllah. Right? And there's a reason though. Like the Ottoman Empire didn't, it wasn't raised up by soft people. Uh, and your Sharaks are based, the Circassians are basically neighbors of the Turks. They're Turkic people, yes, aren't they? Yes, yes. So this it, essentially is the same culture. Yes. Worse off, you had enemies, you had the Russians as your enemies. The Turks had the Mongols on the east and the Crusaders on the west. Right? They faced enemies. Constantly these people are facing enemies. And they're in a cold climate. Right, which cold climates they they don't encourage independence, right? Because you you can't go off on the in the cold. This is generally a thing in geographic studies. The colder the climate, the less independence, because you can't just go off on your own, right? Uh, whereas in warm climates, you go off on your own. You could live with a fishing rod on the beach, right? And you could live on your own. So the warm climates of the Mediterranean, those people are personally independent. But the cold climates, you have to live together. Like where is socialism? always in the cold climates because you realize you have to live together or else you're going to die and when you live together you have to have one order of things and nobody could break the rules if people start breaking rules you have chaos that's all the background like the psychological background of the toughness of the Circassians so, you're, so you're, 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 your family was immune in a sense to the secularism of Turkey because they live far off in the, in the mountains of Turkey itself yes there's, yeah. a, there's a famous mountain most my, well, shout out to the Turkish peoples whether they're Abkhazian, Karachai, Cherkes, or Turkish uh, by origin, there is a mountain, it's called Boluda. It's one of the biggest mountains there. Mm. It's between Istanbul and Ankara. Mm. And there's a tunnel there, Ankara Tunnel, that if you're going from Istanbul anywhere into Med uh, the, the Anadolu or the middle of Turkey, you go through that village. And our village is at the very top of Bolu Mountain. Mm. And it is said that our ancestors, when they came, they, they were looking for similar land that's familiar to them. They don't live in the valleys, they don't live in the... And correct me if I'm wrong, Sheikhna, but Sayyidina Adam and his first children, they lived, Habib, the they lived in the mountains. And, yeah. and Qabil's yeah. children were the ones to first they live in the valleys, subhanAllah. Yeah. So one thing that fascinated me was one of the elders in the, in the tribe, in the village. He told me, our ancestors, when they came to find a place to live, they would cut down a tree and check the core of the tree. Is it rotten? Is it good weather? Is it mm. bad weather? That's how they so tell. the clear air, the less pollution, less mm. humidity is in the mountainous terrain, yeah. and they would prefer those types of areas to live. No, you get better yeah. oxygen, yeah. everything. Yeah, better. subhanAllah. Yeah. Even so though it's a little colder, yes. It's colder. Now, you, when you go up, the, the, the air becomes clearer for you to breathe, right? Yeah. That's how it works, right? Yeah, subhanAllah. So that's why even like when people go up to uh, Colorado, something, they're, they have like to adjust their health. Yes. It's like a mile yeah, up you, they air. become lightheaded and yeah. this, yeah. 
they need oh. to get acclimated slowly because yeah. otherwise yani, so they lived in these mountains yes yes and Mazal Hunak, yani, uh, Sheikh Murad was telling me his mother's side, they live in Jabal Qasyon. Shout out to the Syrians. MashaAllah, may Allah yifarij. Jabal Qasyon is one of the huge mountains in Sham. If you see Jabal Qasyon, you can't miss it. Mm. And there's a village at the very top. And they're, again, Cherkes people. So right. whether they're in the Middle East or they're in Turkey, doesn't matter. They always yeah. find the mountains. That's awesome. SubhanAllah. That's awesome. And of course, in our, the spiritual traditions, the Arba'een of you know Musa alayhi yeah, salam and all of the yeah it's all the, and the prophet the went mountains. on the mountain yes, and Sayyidina yes. Adam lived on a mountain exactly subhanAllah exactly. and Sayyidina Isa will live on the mountain yes, yes. because it's said that uh, in the hadith of Akhir Zaman that Sayyidina Isa when he returns Allah gives him the, the key to destroy the Dajjal he's, he's permitted to kill the Dajjal and just finish that world but he's not given the permission to destroy Ya'juja Ma'juj he has no idhan over them it's so they said, how are the people going to survive at Juj Majuj? They say, Naisa will take them to the mountaintops. And they live on the mountaintops. So what he didn't do in his <coughs> sifr, in his first time, which is go live alone on a mountain, he does it in his... Uh, so ma- in the uh, second time. So many sunan of Sayyidina Isa that he doesn't do in the first time, he does them all in the second time. Yeah, the marriage. Marriage, having children, fighting wars, governing. All these uh, virtues, he does them all in the yeah. second time. So now you're immune from all these, or from the secularists, and then and your grandfather. Your grandfather must have lived during the Khilafah. Yeah, from late 1800s, 1900s, yeah, yes. Late 1800s, he, so he lived through the Khilafah. I mean, what kind of time was that for your family that, uh, that they told you about? I'm sure they transmitted this type of knowledge to you and this history that uh, the event gets canceled. Like, you can't imagine, like, what kind of calamity is it that, like, w- like we're sort of born in the gutter. We're born, it's just going to go from, if it goes worse, it'll be from worse to very worse. But we've never seen a time where Islam or Iman was like something safe and something sponsored. Like we've never seen that. To see that and then to lose that is far worse, in my opinion, relatively speaking. The relativity of it is worse than to be in one gutter, to be in the gutter of Newark, than be thrown in the gutter of Harlem. That's like the the 2000s, the 90s, then the 2000s, the 2010s, 2020s. It's just worse gutters. So the relativity is like, all right, it's like it was all bad. We've never even seen. I remember watching Ertaro and watching one episode where they finally defeated the Crusaders. They go into the castle. They, they win that fight. I was like, that's what a victory looks like? <laughs> like, I've never seen it. Like, literally, it just jumped out of my word. That's what it looks like? That's what winning looks like? When was the last time a pious Muslim army won a war? A battle? Like, you can't even remember it. Your fathers can't remember it. Our grandparents can't remember it. Our great-grandparents cannot remember it. It's nothing. But your grandfather lived at a time where there was Adhan, there was a Khilafah, even the word at least, right? And there was respect. Like the Ottomans still had. I remember Kaiser Wilhelm, my favorite diplomat in, yeah. the, in that history. You should look up, what's his name? Otto von Bismarck. He was under, I think, Kaiser Wilhelm. Yeah. If you remember Otto von Bismarck, this guy was a genius. And he said, I didn't uh, shake in front of any ruler, king of the Europeans, until I met uh, Abdul Hamid II. <coughs> he said, my feet were shaking. In front of him. My, my voice was trembling. Right? Uh, so you had that glory. Did they ever talk about that? Did your grandfathers ever talk about that? Or your dad ever talk about how that massive drop? SubhanAllah. I mean, I, I, unfortunately, as I said, I've never met my grandfather. Only the stories that I've heard from the elders and my father and my uncles at times. Um, but my father is named after his great-grandfather, Dawood. So the, the family is actually, again, one of the things that happened after the Khilafah was they changed our last names. Mm. So our, our family name was always being Dawood, or the, you know, Dawood Olu. Mm. Um, and we always had that name. And then when the Khilafah collapsed, basically, or they removed it, um, they reassigned names, they changed, you know, all these various things, the, the language, the culture, all of these dress codes and everything that was influenced. I've, I've imagined what my, my grandfather might have experienced because he was perhaps either a child or, you know, he, I, I don't know for sure whether he was born in Turkey or he was a child when he came, but his, his, his grandfather's and his fathers, they were all fighting in the war in, against the Russians. So escaping one enemy of Islam, communist enemy of the Russians, only to fall prey to... Uh, 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 yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, w- escaping one persecution <coughs> of religion, only to face another. 
I've only imagined and, and assumed, but I remember telling my father once, we, we studied under the same sheikh 40 years apart, mm, Sheikh yes, Yunus Kar. And um, I, I, I told him that, you know, while I was studying with my sheikh, I'm like, Istanbul, you know, like, it's so bad, you know, you know, the people and, you know, the secularism and other things. And, you know, I would imagine 40 years ago in your time, it was far more better and, you know, more peaceful. And he's, he's like, son, in my time, we would barely see hijabis. In the oh, I would yeah, say, like, it's 50-50. There's like half hijabis, half sec. He said, we would barely see hijabis in that time. So my father's era, he said that there was a generation, I don't know if it was 62 generation or something 60, like 68 generation, they are the generation that grew up with no deen, mm. nothing from Islam. Like, like that's when the adhan was called in Turkish. Yeah. That's when the masajid were turned into stables. Mm. That's when, you know, it was completely, like they were hanging imams in the streets and, you know, enforcing dress code. That's when that qarya from Antakya migrated from, Tur from Turkey, from the borders of, uh, of Hatay to Syria, to Jabal Qasyon, because they said, we, we fled Russia we came to Turkey to practice our deen. Wow. Now there is dress codes that are being enforced. Mm. If we stay here, we can't practice our deen. Let's at least wow. escape to Syria. So they migrate again because of that. Subhanallah. So I can't give a direct answer from my own father or from my, my grandfather. But some of these references that perhaps uh, over the time I, I've thought about and reflected and imagined that this is probably what was going on at that time. There was a woman. Uh, somebody had met a woman who was maybe... In her 80s, and when the Adhan was reopened. Like, when was the Adhan reopened? So, like in the 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe? Uh, no, uh, the Adhan in that, Arabic. In Arabic, I think, I want to say 70s. Yeah, 70s. 68, 70s. It was allowed like, in, yeah, in yes, Arabic. Yes. So, this woman, she said that she remembered it when it was canceled, right? When the Adhan was over as a child. And then that whole generation of people who must have been in their 50s and 60s and 70s. They all came out into the streets with tears in their eyes when they heard the adhan again, just as a memory. <clears throat> not like, not even that they were such people of deen and they were holding on. No, they were regular people, but as a memory, right? Because it brings back memories uh, of their childhood. But it's it's insane how they just try to wipe everything out. And you know what else? Like like the wiping out that re remained was in Iran. Like in the 1500s, Shah Ismail, when he became a Shi'i. He was, like a, he was like a prince, right? And then he came upon an extremist Shia uh, preacher, joined him, and then when he became Sultan of the Safavid Empire, he wiped out all those imams of Ahl Sunnah. He, he went to Lebanon, he brought in a whole bunch of Shia imams of Lebanon because Shiism was always more of an Arab uh, uh, sect than a Persian one. So he had to import them. That's why there's a lot of Lebanese lineage in, in Iran right now. And that's something that too was a memory. It's gone finished right and so when you come in and you just wipe something out it's such an unnatural way to do things and if you look at actually how islam when it comes to different nations you might see the map uh and it said it'll have like arabia's green and then next uh khilaf of omar ibn khattab then iraq is green it's egypt's harsh, green yes. but that that just means that that's their territory it's not that's mm, not no. that that means that they're converts yes and according to Dr. Omar Farooq Abdullah, it took 300 years for the uh, Muslim, for the, the Arab Muslim Ummah to be 50% Muslim. Outside of Arabia, which was 100% Muslim. But like Egypt, 300 years to be 50% Muslim. So the truth has to trickle down. It can't just be like a light switch. When you read the com what the communists did, it's like insane. Like Overnight, Allah, boom, your farmland is half yours and half to some other person who doesn't know how to farm. In Egypt, they dissed our parents. So my, my mom's family was from a farmer uh, village. The communists came in and boom, sliced it up. And all of a sudden they don't have enough farmland to live on. And then who'd they give it to? Like doormen and, 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 and donkey carriers who don't know how to farm. Right? Like do you think this is just like, uh, just throw a seed and water it? Like it's a science. So they all fled to the city now. Right? And that's when they became, they, they became city folks after that. So this type of like complete... Uh, Turn a switch and completely change everything. And, and it doesn't work. It doesn't last. So now your, your dad, then he studies uh, in these uh, supposedly illegal schools. Then he, uh, then he, he goes to, to Jordan. Him. He goes to Jordan. Yes, he studied Now, once Jordan. they escape, they start seeing, they, they get much more resources, right? 
as far as studying and yeah, yeah uh, and at least the freedom to do so and all that. Yeah. So um, one of the first imams in the family is my my elder uncle. He's actually imam in in London. You might actually know him. What's Sheikh his name? Burhan. So Masjid Omar in in, in seven sisters. Uh, no, uh, seven sisters. No, uh, Masjid Omar in Patterson. Oh, okay. Uh, he was that the first Im- imam of that masjid, the original masjid. Oh, so okay. a lot of the Patterson folk, New Jersey folk, know uh, my uncle. He's currently the imam of Masjid Sulaymaniyah in London, uh, UK. Sulaymaniyah. Yeah. Yes, he's. There. Isn't that uh, in Seven Sisters? I don't know exactly yeah, where he, yeah. where it is. I Turks, know it's East London. The Turks yes. live in one area. Okay. Right. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's how it is. Yeah. London, uh, Europe, that's they fun. do multiculturalism. Yes. So. West London is all Moroccans. Subhanallah. Right. You're Egyptian, right? Afghani. Afghani, mashallah. Uh, West London is all Moroccans. And Birmingham uh, is this. East London. Yeah, Birmingham up north is all this. East London is Bengalis. Ajib territories. Territories. It's like the five boroughs. Yeah. <laughs> north, in the north, around what's called a, uh, like Zone 2, is a street called Seven Sisters. Really? And that street is all little Turkish masajid. SubhanAllah. And the Suleimania is the big one at the end. Mm. They have one that's, um, and it's funny that they have a, a sort of, um, these these old clubs, these Turkish clubs. with Like you, clubs, it, clubs? Like or? Yeah, it's like oh. an old man's club. Oh my goodness. There's yeah, a Turkish yeah, flag, know. there's Ataturk, and there's smoke. Right? <laughs> 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 Everyone's oh, smoking, an old dude sitting around. They have some of those clubs. And then they have the Suleimaniyah, and uh, and so they have uh, that's so he's the imam there now. Mashallah. Yes, and he he uh, he went there in 1999. So till 1999, he was here in Patterson, New Jersey, yeah. and um, so he he's a, a few years elder than my father. They they broke his nose. Um, they beat him up in prison. They tortured him. Where? What prison? In, in Turkey, in Malatya, in Turkey, actually. Wow. Yeah, that's like the political. And what was he in prison for? He was basically for being an imam wow. and teaching Islam, preaching khutbah, not following what's been told and whatnot, and stuck up in political rivalry. You have to pick a side. You're either secular or you're wow. so and so. And um, if he doesn't speak a certain way, and so on and so forth. My father, the reason he went to Jordan because up until then, until until 1980. He was a mudarris in one of the mudarris in one of the Islamic schools there, and they they shut down all the schools. The military coup happened, and he had a few options. He decided to go to Jordan to continue oh. his studies, and he went and he studied in, in, in Jordan University. And um, at that time, after my uncle, uh, you know, was released from prison or torture, whatever the case, he came to the U.S. So my uncle of my father's siblings is the first one to come as an imam to the U.S. into Masjid. Wow. Fatia in Brooklyn, and then later to Patterson, and then a few years later he brought my father um, to the U.S. Subhanallah. Yes. So they made hijra, and yes. that's something that people may have to realize is always on the table. Like people always make hijra for their livelihood, but making hijra for your deen is something that's gotta always be on the table. And the people who it's always on the table for are in America, are people who are who are having kids and don't have um, any way to educate them. Neither a homeschool network nor a Muslim network to Muslim school, and they have own nothing but a public school. They should think of about stories like this, where you have to make hijra. You can't let your kids be taught this nonsense, right? I mean, it's not like when I was growing up. It was don't have a girlfriend and don't celebrate Christmas. That's what going to non-Muslim school was, because yeah. you went there and Miss Nancy or whatever they taught they taught math. Math is math, right? English. It's just old stories. History is history, but there was. Hardly anything religious or political. There is the prom, you don't go to. Uh, MTV, you don't watch it, right? <laughs> That's it. And it was hard to watch MTV. Pork is haram. You can't watch something if some, someone's in the house, right? Back in the day, right? As long as someone's in the house, you can't watch anything. Right? You have to wait till someone leaves. Or dad has the remote anyway the whole oh, time. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, taking yeah. the remote anyway. So, uh, but nowadays, it's like, it's insane how it's politicized. Yeah. It's everything is... Basically everything except what benefits, mm-hmm. and there uh, the, you you've got to look at the way the country's become is that an enemy army has an infiltrated like the minds of people and has destroyed them. All they care about are things that don't benefit you at all. The Chinese don't care about this stuff. The Russian youth don't they don't care about this stuff. They were trying to conquer you. All these youth are just even India. The youth there they want to work. They want to become IT. They want to compete with MIT, yeah. right? They want to compete with Silicon Valley. And you look at uh, the general population of American youth, what they're busy with is utter nonsense, right? So it's like, 
Hindra has to be on the table for those kind of things. Because if they can't, because you can really homeschool by yourself. You need a network, mm-hmm. right? And network is like, that network is really important. Can't, poor kid can't stay home all day. Yeah. He's got to have friends. So these people, these Muslims in these cities should think seriously about migrating. And when you migrate and make hijrah, you should look at where is their activity? Where is their energy? Where is their ta'aleem? Where is their support? And where is there a densely populated uh, community? And, and go live there. You'll find everything you need to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're from Tunisia. Tunisia, <laughs> uh, like Adi's from New We're Jersey. We're in a lot of trouble now. <laughs> Tunisia was as bad as Turkey. The guy would go on TV and said, fasting is uh, uh, forbidden. Yeah. Right? Yeah, fasting yeah. and all that is forbidden. And he eats on TV. No, Islam was forbidden. Islam itself. Islam itself was forbidden. Subhanallah. Like the, wherever the French went, man, though that that uh, their yeah. issues were bad. Uh, Egypt had it probably the least. We had it the least. Like uh, it was like the slow and soft death. But in these countries, they're boom beheading, finish the Islam right away. They want to finish it right away. And then your people, uh, your 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 people, Subhanallah, stuck with stuck with it, and look what happened to them, right? <laughs> the British, then the Russians, then the Americans. Who's coming next? Israel? But it's, it's still the graveyard of empires. It is. Bro, I, I, went to, I went to an Afghan restaurant and had a map of Afghanistan, right? The and terrain, then, right? And it so. had a, 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 a tomb. And it had a British flag. Right? <laughs> and then another Whoa. tomb. Okay. And it had a Russian flag. And I'm then defeated. a tomb. And then an American flag. <laughs> and then a tomb. And then a French flag. I was like, okay, I guess the French joined the Americans, right? <laughs> then a tomb. A Canadian flag. I was like, Canada, right? <laughs> and then a tomb, like the Chinese flag. I was like, oh, you're just putting all the flags. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah that's what it is. All the <laughs> or, or they're saying, bring it on, you know, like, the yeah, cha- that's what challenge saying. accepted, yeah. It's going to be, if it's not yet, it's going to be in the future. There's actually a story of uh, one of our shayukh in Egypt. His, his grandfather, he's Algerian. His grandfather, when Algeria was taken over by the French, yeah. he made hijrah to Tunisia. Yeah. And he was like, at least Tunisia's it's free from French. Where was rule. he? Algeria. Algeria. So he was in that area. So he went to Tunisia. Yeah, he just went to Tunisia. He just lived there, married wow. a Tunisian woman. And then wow. when everything was settled with the French, whatever, yeah. he moved back. Oh, the French were terrible. Subhanallah. They were terrible. MashaAllah. Now, where did you go study? Your dad raised you in New York City. Yes. And, and it came back, the, the, the story, the, the family tradition continued. Yeah. Um, I was telling the kids at Nur al-Iman, I said, when I was growing up here in, you know, in the 90s, um, we didn't have any full-time Islamic schools. And if, even if we did, like at least not in the area that we lived. And I, I, although I grew up in, in Brooklyn, uh, for a time being, we lived in Long Island. And then right before I went to Turkey, we lived in Chicago. Mm. So even in Chicago, where like Devon Avenue, yeah, in the Muslim that. community, there was no like known full-time Islamic school, at least to us at, at the time. Um, or it was still in their early phases. And my father decided to send myself and my elder sister to Turkey. And that was like, even to the most religious relatives, like, we're trying to send our kids to America. Yeah. You're saying, no, he's like, there's no proper Islamic schools so, here. Wow. And we want you to graduate as an imam and follow. And I, I was like, all right, I want to be what you are. My father is still wow. my biggest hero. You know, like, even till That's now, amazing. like, so many people, the Imam Dawood, oh, he, one day I was giving khutbah in al Masjid in just like a rural area. And her brother came up to me. He's like, you remind me of one imam. And, and he's like, Imam Dawood. I said, yeah, he's my father. He started crying. <laughs> I said, that imam, he married me to my wife. He named yeah, my children. He buried my father's janazah. And like the impact I saw like firsthand. I was my father's wingman. You know, he would take me. He was like, I'll call the adhan. Sing a nasheed. You know, do this. And, and like someone's born, Imam Dawood. Someone dies, Imam Dawood. Someone's getting married, Imam Dawood. Eid prayer, Jumu'ah prayer, this and and it was a more community mm. uh, you know, orientation in the in the time in Brooklyn, at least like I I always remembered as Jumu'ah was like Eid mm. and Eid was like Yawm al like <laughs> like there was no room for anything and everybody was together. Now it's like this you know like this sect of this sect of this sect yeah. minorities within minorities within minorities, mm. and it's just all divided up unfortunately. So eventually I first went to Turkey. I studied about five and a half years uh, in my throughout Turkey. First in my father's village, hometown, mm. and then I, I went to an area in between uh, the Black Sea and, and Istanbul, the uh, Bartın, the area there. And then I finally came to Istanbul. I spent about four years in Istanbul, 
um, and I graduated with the Ijaz and Sharia uh, from both the traditional traditional Islamic schools, but also I was an international exchange student mm. um, with the Diyanat. Uh, or, you know, they had these special uh, education programs trying to, what we say in Turkish, uh, how, you know how they have, I, f- I forget the term, but in Turkish we say, Deirman, uh, which is like the mills that they build on the riverside that's supposed to have a natural flowing water mm. to keep the mill running. Yeah. So we say like, you're carrying water to the mill trying to make it work, which is not the ideal way to, to mm. make it work. So they were trying to sustain imams uh, and importing students or exporting imams. And this, you know, e- even till this day, majority of our masajid suffer from not having local homegrown yeah. imams. And whether, whatever community you are, you're still trying to import imams. And so to, in, to enable to, uh, in order to uh, combat this need and, and, and uh, provide for the, the necessity of the Muslim Turkish community especially, the Turkish government was, and still do, they offer these international exchange programs where if you want to study to be an imam and graduate, you can go overseas, get accredited, and, and get your education. But the longest time, from the early years of my studies, I, I always loved Arabic language, and I was fascinated by the the fasaha, the, the adab of, of the lugha, of the Qur'an, obviously, as any student of knowledge should be. And uh, I wanted to go to Jordan where my father studied. I wanted to go somewhere in the Middle East. And it just so happened to be, I had another, uh, I had two actually Syrian classmates, um, again, international exchange students um, studying Sharia in Turkey. One, his name is Bashir, and the other one, his name is Ahmed. And they say, come to Sham, Bilad Sham, Safatullahi min Biladi. And I was sold. I'm going to Sham. <laughs> and I, I graduated. I actually came to the U.S. at the time my father was in the Virgin Islands. Mm. I, I, I led the Taraweeh in Ramadan. I spent a few months in Virgin Islands, did my vacation. <laughs> and then I went back to Syria. That was Qabl al-Ahdath, 2008, mm. 2009. And... When I was there, I studied in actually the same school that Sheikh uh, Zaid Shakir studied, Ma'ad oh, Abu Nur. Abu Nur, oh, yes, and uh, Sheikh awesome. Ahmed Kaftar, Rahmatullah yeah. Ali, his madrasa there. Um, and I, I, I also taught the international students from Turkey that were there in Sham, in Damascus, and I stayed on and off about two years, back Thank and you. forth. So, like in Ramadan, I'd come and Who go. Who were the shiuch that you studied with? So, there was Sheikh, uh, the, and I shout out to Sheikh Abdullah Deeb. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so his his father, his uncle were there, Sheikh Ramadan, Sheikh Rajab, they were there at mm. the time, and only to meet, reunite with his son yes. in, in, in in Florida, where my father was an imam at the time when I came back finally. Um, but uh, there was Sheikh Ramadan, Sheikh Rajab. I Sheikh actually Ramadan's the father. Yes, Sheikh Rajab and Abdullah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Sheikh Rajab is the uncle, mm. okay. or, or it might be the other way, Rajab. Ramadan, one is the uncle of Sheikh Abdullah, oh, okay. and the other is his father. Hmm. Um, they are both the, they are students of Sheikh Ahmed Kiftar. Oh, yes. okay, okay. I didn't realize yes. that. Yes. They are the elderly imams, the head imams there. Yeah. Um, but our Sheikh was uh, Sheikh Yusuf. Hmm. I, I studied under Sheikh Yusuf. I would attend Sheikh Ramadan Bhutti's lectures hmm. in, in Masjid al Amawi, and Sheikh uh, Ratib Nabulsi. We would never miss his wow. lectures. Yes. And Where was he? He's, his masjid is there. Sheikh Ratib's masjid in oh, Rukn al Din. It's not too far from Masjid al Amawi. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know he had yeah. a masjid. Yeah, he had his own masjid there. Oh, I thought and he was like a traveling guy. Yeah. Yani, he, he had his own. Uh, radio uh, show, yeah, and every day that he would broadcast his radio, like oh, from the masjid, yeah, ex- exactly. And the, the ulama of Sham, they uh, they consider him one of their own, or he's, he's more of a da'ya. I think he's very different in his approach. Yeah, his modernity, his his intellectual approach. Yeah, um, I, I I was never privy to that level of behind the scenes of mm. how the ulama. I mean, the, the level of adab and, and respect that all of the mashayikh they had yeah. with one another in, in, in Sham. So they mingled together. I, they did. I mean, yeah. to, 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 our, to our exposure with their yeah. presence in their gatherings, there was the family, the Durra. You know the company at Durra? Yeah. They have the canned goods and whatnot. Yeah. So they would invite some of the students and the mashayikh in their homes. And I would see Sheikh Ramadan and Sheikh, you know, Sheikh Ratib and various great scholars all in those gatherings. Mm-hmm. But obviously, we are just the, the, the servants yeah. in those mm-hmm. gatherings. So, like, no, the real nice talk was happening. Yes, yeah, of as course. As long as yeah. they're in the yeah. same yeah. presence of, of one another. Of course, yeah. Subhanallah. Yeah, that's, the, that's a time that's gone. The Inshallah. 90s and 2000s of Sham was a thing a lot of our friends benefited from yeah. and, and spend a lot of circles. So much so, I remember one of them came back and he was just, like, crying when Syria came up because of his memories at that time. And that thing, that's the thing that's gone. 
it's never it's never gonna happen again and those sheep are gone and that whole vibe is gone it's never gonna happen again and so many of those now what four or five major shiuch like that are uh they were they were killed passed away oz you want to sit with us here why did you ever go to sham study in sham it was a thing back in the day from 1994 to all the way probably about 2004 or something you go study in syria yeah, everyone yeah, studies yeah, Like yeah. Mahad al-Fatih. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, Mahad al-Fatih. And then there's Mahad Abinur. Yes. So it's probably, these were probably cheap, right? It wasn't expensive. So everyone was going there. It was perhaps, great times. and with due love and respect, like the alternative to Azhar. Probably. Yeah, yes. Yeah, not to like diminish any other. Yeah. Not only alternative, yeah. it was like Azhar, you're going to get a mixed bag. Yes. And you're going to get a lot of watered down nonsense, right? And you'll show up for the exams. Or you got kids that lower your himma that'll come in and smoking a cigarette at the door, looking like a regular guy. And he's like, comes in for the Sharia exam. It's a joke. It's like, to me, the himma is zero. I've, I've been there. I've, I almost enrolled at one point, And I was like, this is like, I can't take it seriously. <laughs> so I said, give me the books. And they're, they're readily giving me the books. Go study and, and then stu- as long as you're paying them, right? You come back for the exam. I'm like, I'm not even interested anymore. Like, I need to be educated by somebody. Yeah. I can't just take a book and, and take an exam. Like, I hate schooling. Right? I love lo- knowledge, but I have a difficult time with schooling. Like, there's a big difference in schooling and knowledge, in my opinion. And education. Someone can learn something new every single day because they love learning, but they hate schooling. And they just turned Dean into schooling and cheap schooling. Right? So, but Shem was something that. Uh, you got a predictable thing. You got a predictable minhaj. Egypt is not a predictable minhaj. You never know what the sheikh is going to be about. Uh, Sham is a predictable minhaj, and they were strong at it. Right? Very traditional. Very, Very traditional and, and, and strong. And there was constant activity, and all the shiuch are on the same page, same wavelengths. Whereas Egypt, because they're sort of they have a free spirit, sometimes that's not good. Right? Too much free spirit. So you have modernists are honored. And then you have uh, the opposite of the modernists. You have like the, 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 the hardcores on one side. And then you have your traditionalists on another side. So it was just a mixed bag. So, but that's why Shem, everyone was going to Syria. And, and, now, and, and it was truly a peaceful place. Yani, the dua of the Prophet ﷺ for Yemen and for Shem. Mm-hmm. And the people after Mecca, Medina, the most amount of Sahaba, the Qubur, uh, is there in Shem, in yeah. Damascus. Sayyidina Bilal, Sayyidina Thawban, Sayyidina Wahshi, many yeah. of the Sahaba, they are there, and you can feel the Sakina. It was like wow. tangible. Like the same feeling you feel in the Haramain, you felt it there. You felt yeah. the dua of the Prophet wow. there. And it was just so different. I never missed home when I was there. I never like felt like being anywhere else. Yeah. So safe, yeah. so peaceful, so Ahlul Karam, so Ahlul Jud, so hospitable. Like any random person in yeah. the street you run into, they'll host you in the house, you know. We were like we we didn't have any family there. We didn't have that much finances, so you know, Hama Homs. I, I visited Halab and all of the various major cities and towns, and like anywhere I went, so much karam and and just hospitality. And and Syrians are notorious for that. Just like the sweetness of their character and their even their language. The you know yeah. even the Amiya is just so sweet. As <laughs> yeah. one yeah. flattering word after yeah, another is just. Like <laughs> and they have. That's why the Prophet وسلم, when he was in his mother's womb. Uh, she her testimony was that I would see a light up to Bostra, which is Shem. And the tafsir of that is that the Nur of Nabuwa will, will settle more than any other place in Shem. And that's where the Prophet said, Whereas Tawheed is in Shem and Yemen. He didn't Allah. even say Mecca, right? He said, Asham wal Yemen. And so, what are the two lands that are completely, utterly destroyed now? Shem and Yemen, right? Because Allah, t- and where the places that he said he would not pray for them. Najd. Where's the dunya now? All the dunya is in Najd. They got green grass. They got concerts. They got buildings two hundred stories high. World Cup. World Cup. Everything <laughs> you can imagine of maladat dunya, uh, temptations of dunya, and the comforts of the dunya. They're all in Najd. All the bala is in Sham and Yemen. There's a reason for that because uh, the logic of, of 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 knowing the future is different than the logic of now. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is preparing these people. Uh, for either for something of this world or something of the next world, purifying you, removing you from the world of temptations. So I remember uh, being at JFK Airport one time, picking up somebody, I think was picking up my mom, and there was a Turk, uh, Syrian woman there, and she looked lost. 
I, I didn't know she was Syrian. So I asked her, she's wearing a abaya and hijab. So I asked her, uh, are you lost? She said, yeah, I'm lost. I'm in my first time in America. I'm waiting for my son. So I said, let me take you to the waiting area. I'm sit there chit-chatting with her in Arabic. And she tells me that she lived her whole life in Jeddah. Her husband worked as an engineer. And they moved uh, early on in their marriage. And they lived there. Very good life. Her, they sent money back. The son started up a business. And they start buying one apartment after another until he owned two towers. Right? Another son of theirs had a different ambition. He wanted to start a new life in America, so he came to America. While the other son owned two towers in Syria. And then when the war happened, those two towers were eventually soon, and when the war started, everything was fine until those two towers were actually bombed in one day. Right? A couple bombs or missiles, whatever, you, I don't know what it was. But the people stopped paying rent. Like the water doesn't work, the electricity doesn't work, and everyone left. Within like three, four months, complete vacancy, 100% vacant. Right? 100% vacancy. And the costs now uh, of, of getting that back, it's never going to happen. So he made migration over to America as a poor man. And she's like, I'm coming here you know, to see my, 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 my two sons. And that's the story of her two sons. SubhanAllah. Allah Ta'ala wants to bring someone near to him. If there's dunya blocking him, and then he takes that dunya away. That's you're, he's doing you a favor. Right. He's doing, and al ilm, when they're poor, and they like wish I could wish I can travel there. I wish I could travel there. There's actually a, a sir in that. Is that if Allah Subhanahu wa Taala makes a talib al poor, it's so he could focus on his studies. If you had the money, oh, I'll go here. Oh, I'll go there. I'll go there. And you never study. Right. There's a, a great wisdom in those, and that's why Abdul Qadir Janani said he was extremely poor as a student. Same thing with um, uh, Abu Madian al Ghoth. He said, barely, you have a meal a day, maximum. But what does it allow you to do? Stay home. Stay, stay study. Right? Stay, uh, stay in place. Two requirements of uh, knowledge, true knowledge, the scholars would say, hijrah and hunger. Like, yeah. yeah. Need, like desperation. Yeah. And uh, also the hadith you reminded me of, Sheikh. And you can't literally have a lot in the early phases of being a talib because you can't practice zuhud if you have a lot of money. If you have a lot of money, you have to invest it and grow it. Otherwise, you're wasting it. It's a ni'mah Allah gave you. If Allah gave you a ni'mah, you have to protect it, right? If Allah gave you a castle, it just happened, someone says, here, this is yours. This is a ni'mah from Allah. You have to know hire guards and gardeners and everything. Yes. But the tulab ilm, when they're poor, and they read about uh, death and zuhudam, okay, I'm poor anyway, right? <laughs> Nothing so, to lose. Nothing to lose. Yes. So they practice it, right? I feel good about myself now. right? Like, I wasn't feeling so great because I'm poor, but now I'm a zahid, right? So, um, so I, at least I have something on my record. All right, that's good. So that's the idea when, uh, back in those days, everyone going to Syria, and we would hear about it. I never got a chance to go to Syria. I was actually always afraid of the Syrian scholars. Right. Like they, to me, in comparison to the Egyptians and the Maghariba, were, were, were strict in comparison. I, I wouldn't consider them strict today. Just their mazaj is different. Their temperament is different. I like their formality now. As an adult, I enjoy that formality Like we, um, uh, in comparison to the Maghariba. Well, I like both of them now. But when you're immature, you're just afraid. Because Egyptians are just loud and everything is just like, you're immediately in love, right? Whereas in the Syrians, there's a formality. So I was like, oh, these are not as lovey as what I expected. <laughs> but that's their way. Now, the um, uh, uh, Oz, do you have something to say to add to this? So when you studied in Turkey, I always felt Turkey, is, to me, is the climate of like the Asia side. It's so similar to North America. And everything about it is like almost neutral. Climate has four seasons. No the, extremes. Yeah. No extremes. The food, the spicing of the food, the, 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 the uh, diet, it's so neutral. Just like rice, bread, fish, chicken, meat, lamb. I always felt like Turkey would be a great place to, to, to uh, make hijrah to. Right? Because it's so similar to North America. Yeah, yeah. And most importantly, they're the cleanest Muslim country. Like, I could not make hijrah to some of these Arab countries. Right. I am. I used to tell my aunts, "You're you're dirty. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Your country's dirty." Right? Shots fired. Right? <laughs> they used to say, "Oh, what do you think oh. of Egypt? It's dirty." Right? Oh, and 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 they would laugh. They think it's funny, but I'm like, "There's sand everywhere, right? Like you can broom it. It doesn't have to be everywhere. And there's stuff that goes on 
like habits like throwing cans, throwing stuff out the window, uh, throwing bags out the window. This is like a habit, right? This is nothing that Mubarak did, Sisi did, the British didn't do this to you. You says it's self-inflicted, self-inflicted carelessness and no pride. And when I went to Turkey, I was like, these people are like obsessed with, not only they clean, they have an obsession with cleanliness. Right, so that's one of the reasons why, like, I fell in love with uh, with Turkey the first time I went. So, now, when you studied there, was a mahad with students in it? How how was it big, or where was it private we, education? We had two hundred and fifty students dorming and studying in the same madrasa. And this is legal. Now. This is legal. Now, um, not to infringe anyone, um, up until Erdogan basically bended the rules mm-hmm. because these qawanin are still there. These rules that are still there to ban all forms of major levels of, like, aqidah, ilmul kalam. Oh, only Qur'an. Yeah, like, ma- main mm. Qur'anic studies and under the Turkish-approved, yeah. you know, books and systems. So there has to be a specific syllabus that they follow that is appointed by the right-hand man of Ataturk, Ismet Inanu. He is the one who is pushing for uh, changing the language of the Adhan to Turkish, mm. you know, barring all... So at first he pushed against Islam, when he realized there's no way that you can erase Islam from a Muslim population, he established the Diyanat. The founder of the Diyanat is really? Ismet Inun. So he said, well, if I can't change them, at least I'll control what they learn mm. and how they learn it and what they do. So like the khutbas are printed out, are dictated and so on and so forth. It's all scripted. It's all heavily guarded and, and yeah. controlled. Now with Muslim leaders like Erdogan and not to get into politics or anything, where he himself... He came from that type of madrasa background himself. Mm. His tilawa and whatnot, his education is very traditional. So the, the remaining Ottoman scholars like Suleyman Hibn Tunuhan, Mahmoud Efendi, who recently passed away, Allah Yarhamhu, Saeed al-Nursi, Rahmatullahi these great scholars who had the traditional background preserve that, that, that tradition in their homes, in their basements, mm. in cellars, renting, like Sheikh Suleyman would rent a wagon from Istanbul uh, in a train carriage, all the way to Ankara. Mm. And he would teach his students in what, because he's mobile. Because no one can. So, yeah, he's mobile. He's not, oh, wow. yeah, they're not That's keeping crazy. track. So he would go to Marsin, wow. where it is narrated the, the seven sleepers, they have a maqam there. Yeah. They climb up to the Kushkayaliklar mountains and they would study in the mountains area where no one would ever search or look. Subhanallah. And, you know, he was in prison, he was tortured, he. You know, he, he suffered a lot. And many of the mashaykh, they were hung at the stake. You know, they were the, the darash, many things. There is Iskilip Atifoja. He would he was a sheikh who refused to change his Islamic attire. It was illegal to wear a jubba and imama. And he said, you know, he refused. It's famous story. Like, they hung him for wearing Islamic attire. That's Subhanallah. Punishable by death. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, these traditions were preserved by these great scholars. And... What ended up happening, they merged with the new system under whatever parameters that were permissible. And I'll be honest, the, the, the military would raid the madaris. And we would hide the Islamic books, anything that wow. was in Arabic, and we would take them in bags and run to the mountains. I'm, in, I'm talking Istanbul. I'm not talking about random villages or cities. I'm talking about Istanbul. Ajib. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. And especially like you're an international student, like what, what are you training people to, to learn Sharia? What are you trying to implement Something yeah. else? What's the goal here? So, yeah, and you, if you're an international student, you're only studying Turkish. You're only studying the Latin language. No yeah. Arabic, no... So it was very tricky. So we balanced the traditional Islamic Ottoman style. So the last curriculum, the system, like I, I have all of the, the books and the, the, the manhaj that we follow on my website, uh, and I, I'd love to share it with you, like very traditional, like the, the Walda or the Musannif are either from the Tabi'een or even like Sayyidina Ali, Kitab Amthila, Sarf, right? And Nahaw and Quduri and, you know, Metn al-Alaqa, Qaid Umar al-Nasafi, Amali, you know, like these traditional books yeah. that were Ottoman syllabus yeah. were preserved by Sheikh Suleiman and the likes and are still taught Mullah Jami and all of these various Durar al-Hukam fi Gurur al-Ahkam, all of these fiqh and, and uh, you know, Usul al-Hadith, Usul al-Fiqh and all of the various sciences were preserved through these secretive initiatives. In Egypt today, uh, you can't open a school. Uh, it has to be Quran only. Like Sheikh Mahmoud's school is, is, is opened up as a guise of, under the guise of Hifd. And only upstairs do they, they do the uh, fiqh classes uh, and the Sharia science classes. But what the only thing allowed by law is the Hifd classes. Subhanallah. 
Right. And and those laws still exist, yeah. but they don't enforce them. Yeah. They, because of the much. current leadership, like yeah. the religious re- leadership that don't enforce. So imagine when even wearing hijab was illegal to go to public school, yeah. having a beard. Like I was mentioning to the brothers, military service is still mandatory in Turkey. Mm-hmm. If your mother came to visit you during your, it depends on your education, whether it's six months or a year or two years. My grandfather served four years in the Turkish military. So you could be in, in the military and if your mother wears hijab, she can't come visit you. You can't pray like at, at the time. Now there's hijabi military you know, yeah. soldiers or... And it's a different era. Everything well, has changed in the last 10 years. He, uh, the Ataturk, uh, it's like he tried to do something 100 years later. Things are... Uh, more, yeah, it's, yes. it's, it's, it, there, there's more even external uh, talk or image of Dean than in his time. SubhanAllah, right? that's so true. Same thing in Egypt. There were like there's ups and downs, but you never can erase this thing. Yeah, I don't think any it. of those secular programs. Yeah. Not, no secular Arab nationalist country worked out. Yeah, none of them worked out. And they don't have a silsila. Like, you, like there's always a new set wave of secularism. Like, kufr and shirk and secularism, all these things, they have to have new waves. So, like, the new secularists, they, they have nothing to do with the ideology of the old secularists. Whereas, the current Muslims, they have the same link as the, as the great-grandfathers. Yeah. Like, we have a, a same senate that keeps going. But these attempts to break this, they're always a new attempt. Like the secularists of the past will be considered, like, uh, a lot of their ideas will be totally rejected by the secularists of today. Right? The liberals of today and the liberals of the past are totally different. So that's how adhulumats are always in plural. The darknesses are in the plural and the nur is always in the singular. Uh, so now that fast forward now, you uh, become uh, trained and then you studied and now you've, you're starting to teach in, in, in Masajid in uh, Philly. It's been about 12 years um, up and down the East Coast. I've been as far north as Massachusetts, Boston. Shout out to Boston. Mm, uh, where, served, where in Boston? Uh, Greater Islamic Society of Greater Lowell. I actually uh, served in various nice. capacities, but Sheikh Abdurrahman had just mm. joined when I was Sharon leaving. Boston. Yes, and yeah. Sheikh Yasser, also local New Jersey. Mashallah, ulama, mashayikh. And then uh, as far south as the Caribbean, the Virgin Islands, wow. a few years in, in Florida, Orlando. Um, <laughs> Delaware, New York, New Jersey, and now Philadelphia. So Mashallah. I'm a troublemaker Mashallah. imam. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just, just keep slipping away in one direction or another until we finally find, uh, mashallah, the Philadelphia community. So it's almost been a year now. Um, and it's, it's very, alhamdulillah, it's an honor to be there. Mashallah, and that's good. Try to, try to do what we can. We are the custodians or the servants of the community. Yeah, mashallah, that's beautiful. Well, now that we've uh, come to meet and come to know thanks to Maheen and Waj, who uh, I brought, uh, you know, these imams, and they brought us uh, Sheikh Hashim last time, and they brought us you this time. Uh, so we're going to loop you in, inshallah, to all of our events going inshallah, forward. Inshallah. Like, we honest. have big stuff going on at MBSC every year. we got some big events. And maybe you're going to do events at the same time in your masjid, but eventually we got to uh, nice. have constant ta'awun uh, between these people of khair and people of Ahl Sunnah. Uh, so any, let's take, uh, see if there's any questions before you have to make your appointment. Inshallah, at, uh, you have to be in your masjid at what? Maghrib, which yes. is 445. Yes. So you should probably go in the next 10 minutes just <laughs> to be safe because yes. Waj still has to take you to your car. Yes. Uh, so, Rai, why don't you give us some questions from Instagram or because my... Uh, yeah. When is that? February. So you got to come to that. Inshallah. We have an Ottoman history event. Oh, nice. Yeah. Inshallah. That sounds exciting. I love Ottoman history, yet at the same time, sometimes inside of myself, it's like, enough with history. I want to be a winner now, right? I don't want to, I don't want to watch the reruns. Right? You ever, anyone have a MS, uh, MSG, Madison Square Garden Network? Yeah. Right? For, the, for hockey, all they keep showing us is 1994. Right? The Rangers Stanley Cup run, 94. There's no wins since then. You like, want wins. It's like that with the Knicks. Too. Yeah, the Knicks. Oh, my gosh. They haven't even made the playoffs for 30 years. They have not even made the playoffs for 30 years. Oh, no. We have Jalen Brunson. So. Yeah, I mean, they made the playoffs once in, like, the last 25 years. There's yeah. no organization. I could run the Knicks better than uh, the Knicks. Than the current <laughs> All right, what do you got, Ryan? This one was asking, uh, which, uh, which Jama did you get education? Which Jama? Yeah. Which college? So Suleiman Hilmetunahan is the, the head of the, the tariqa, mm. uh, but in the, all of the various government schools, I studied in almost all of them. 
Marmara University was the university that was uh, leading the exchange student mm. program in Istanbul. Yes. Okay. So our ijaza is through them as well. Okay. So the traditional ijaza from the students of Sheikh Suleiman Hilmetunahan, but the uh, secular education through Marmara Mar university. university. So you study Hanafi fiqh and Maturidi Aqidah. So Maturidi Aqidah, yes. Exactly. So, uh, and we, we identify, the tariqah identifies as Khalidiyah, uh, Naqshbandiya and Qadiriya mm, at the same time. Yeah. Khalidiya being Naqshbandiya. Well, yeah, it's a yeah, branch. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, funny thing is, I was with a cab driver one time and he told me he studied, uh, uh, he went to Imam Khatib school. So I said, So you studied fiqh? And he said, he said huh? I said, Fiqh. And he's, he was like, That's no. the government only government yeah. school, yes. So I said, Hanafi. He said, oh, Hanafi, Hanafi. Yeah, it was Hanafi. Subhanallah. They love their Hanafism. And I like the Turkish Hanafi. Uh, uh, like, they got a great history. They got so many uh, court records to, to take precedent from, right? Well, India does too, because they had uh, also ran the courts there. So that in terms of studying fiqh, when you, when you run a country and your judges produce actual legal rulings that happened... Like it makes your fiqh study so much more richer, yes. right? And I, I don't think the Shafi'i have as nearly as much, hmm. right? Maybe Indonesia only in the last few hundred years. Yeah. Um, so the the more court cases that your madhab sees, the more practical it gets. Also, the Hanabila don't have much either. Like, what was last Hanbali court ever? Hanbali. Never. Yeah. Did, was there ever such thing as a Hanbali court? I don't think so. Sheikh, that's that's probably because Malikia we had. We an have empire. a empire. Yeah. No, we had an empire. We had an empire. Yeah. The Hanafis had an ha empire. Multiple. 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 Two and a half. So, Safavids, so the, oh, the Safavids yeah. were Shafis, right? So maybe the early Safavids. Technically Shafis, yeah. Yeah, early Safavids would have been Shafi'i. Because the persons are Shafis. Shafis? Yeah, uh, Marikis and then Hanafis. Oh, uh, during, during, during Nur al-Din's time, maybe? Yeah, maybe Nur al-Din told them to rule by Shafi fiqh. To judge by Shafi'i fiqh. But the point being that when you have tons of court cases, it give, it, your method becomes extremely developed, developed yeah. and practical too. It's easier to practice. Whereas when you don't have any court cases, you're just in theory all the time. That's why uh, practice sharpens theory. It eliminates the irrelevance. And for us, practice is not going to be court cases. It's going to be da'wah. That's why we got to do da'wah right away. That's why you're going to know what knowledge is useful, what knowledge we need in the future, Yes. And when you do study, you should never study a subject and look at a book and say, no, I don't need this, it's useless. You don't know what's in it, right? You should study what's in it, but the fact that you know what the world is like makes you zoom in more on something uh, uh, you know, that you know is going to be relevant to your future or to your, to your context. So that's the idea. The, the Ottomans did that with piracy. Piracy they had a whole They had whole Ships? books published for the fiqh of how to be a pirate. Oh, <laughs> it's uh, awesome. against the crusaders? It's amazing. It's such a cool subtopic within their history. Like against the crusaders? Crusaders, what happens when we get a pirate ship from our oh, own. Yeah, yeah. Like all of these different rulings that have to go into it. So yeah. Well, they got the Mediterranean, the Caspian, right? The Black Sea. The Black Sea, all these seas. Well, yeah, so. Like Barbarossa and all these different. Yeah. yeah. You have to run? No. I'm Good? Okay. Mashallah. So what else you got, Ryan? Uh, they're wondering about the school system for children or kids in Turkey, maybe during when you were there. This is something that I'm glad someone asked. I, have a, I actually have another, and I guess this is going to make it even more mm. uh, uh, incumbent upon me to carry out this promise and oath. Um, it was, I think, 2007. There were a group of children that were brought to a graduation ceremony in mm. one of the major masajid in Istanbul who were barely five years old, six years old, Hufaz. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. So a children's Hufaz school, like pre-K, first grade, Hufaz school. And I said, if Allah blesses me with children, yeah. I'm going to bring my kids and I'm going to have them. Yeah, the hijra, talk, the, yeah. what you were talking about, Shaykhna? Subhanallah. The schools, the Islamic schools right now, like my, my sister, she lives in actually uh, Patterson, New Jersey, and my grandfather's old house. Um... And she actually went to Turkey to see which Islamic school. She has four kids, alhamdulillah. She wants to enroll, to move to Turkey to have their Islamic yeah, education wow. there. They have horseback riding. They have archery. Ajeez. Like, it's a different era. Oh, now. It's awesome. like a full Sunnah style, <laughs> so like, Islamic school. 
and she has three girls and one son and it's like a, amazing programs they yeah. have and these are type of private schools that we That's could awesome. never afford here in America like yeah. no way no like way. it's like the Hogwarts or it's like the yeah. Ivy League schools yeah. Yeah. that you can like for the dollar rate right oh, now yeah. you can really afford That's to send amazing. them there for you know yeah pennies on the That's dollar yeah, so. and the recitations with the they're importing some teachers they're not all Turks yeah. no. I prayed in uh, Istanbul a couple years ago behind somebody and I could swear he studied in in the Khalij or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I went and I spoke to the guy. He's like, I never, I never left. I was like, you're imitating then, right? You're imitating like one of these Khalij recited. He's like, no, I studied in the local schools. Like the recitation doesn't have, you know, the wow, the, as a vowel, the yes, Turks yes. have a different yes. way of pronouncing it. Yeah, very different. Gone. None of that. It's completely, so like this is a new world where everyone's mixing. Yeah, right? they used to say that the Quran was revealed in Mecca, recited in Musr, yes. in Egypt, and yep. written in Turkey, That's the Ottoman yeah. Khat. Now it's all becoming yeah. one. Yani, yani. I'm, I was happy to say that I went to Turkey in the late 90s, at a time before all this opened up, and Turkey still felt like the ancient, like there's remnants of the ancient Ottoman, and there was none of this new stuff, right? This, this new wave of, of, of activity. And it really felt like romantic. It was totally oh, romantic. All the imams had hard Turkish accents, right? <laughs> the madaris and the masajid were were not like updated in the sense they were still everything was old, right? It was such a romantic experience. Like then we went back ten years later. Now there's all this. It's another po- type of positive. All this new activity. All the shiuch are connected. Uh, there's money is put in. Now er, where did the group of Erdogan's people like? Where did they come out of? How did they re- retain any uh, sense of deen? I mean, Erdogan's father is buried next to Sheikh Suleiman Hilmetunami. Mm, so his father is also one of the students of Sheikh Suleiman. Ah, Erdogan himself studied in one of those madrasas, those it's illegal madrasas. Ah, yeah. okay. So um, it's an interesting background. So yeah. they, they never eliminated Islam from uh, Turkey. It was perhaps it was in the cellars, in the basements, in the you know the rooftops or mountaintops yeah. or the wagons of trains. Yeah. But they never eradicated Islam or the tradition of Islam from Turkey, and now it's stronger than ever, like you yeah. said. And obviously, the now the influx of the Syrian mashayikh and the ulama that have mm-hmm. come to Turkey now, whether you see that in the tilawa or the qiraat or the different, you know, like my wife when she first saw me wearing a traditional like Syrian or Arab thobe, said, why are you wearing a skirt? You know, like <laughs> yeah, it was not a common attire. Now uh, everywhere in Turkey, like the jubbas, yeah, the Arab yeah. style. Like the culture is now merged. It's with so one. merged. Yes, yes. Uh, the first time I went nineties, uh, you never saw any of that. Even the khatib, the imam of the mosque, he came in with a white shirt and slacks, and at the mihrab, like right where, at the mihrab, where the jubba, right, he, last he pulls minute. open a, clo- a closet, yeah. like that big area where the khatib stands. Yeah. He pulls open. There's a closet in there. He pulls the black jacket and the, the turban. He didn't even take the plastic off the turban. <laughs> Right, it's like brand new. Yeah. You know what the plastic yeah, is still yeah. on. He never even took the plastic off. He puts that on, <laughs> and then he calls the ikama yeah. and he leads the salah, yeah. and then he doesn't even leave the mosque with it. He hangs it up, takes salam alaikum, salam alaikum, hangs it off yeah. right there, yeah. and puts the huh? ninja sheikh. Yeah, he just yeah, but, but that has a lot to do with the whole dress code. That world, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, because yeah. like that, it was illegal outside the masjid. Insane. Yeah, subhanallah. Well, it was a pleasure having you, it's and inshallah, we're going to have you more often now that you're only an hour away in uh, Ben Salem, right? Yes. Ben Salem, Philadelphia, uh, or out right at Ben Salem, yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania, yeah. right outside of Philly, uh, which is, mashallah, there is some a couple other brothers I got to tell them about about you that we're always asking. It was that Madiki brother? He's from Philly, right outside. What's his name again? Young guy or? No, middle-aged. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll send them to you then, inshallah. I'll make them Hanafi. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. No, no, Allah rasi wa la'in, Sheikh. It's a blessing to have you here, inshallah. We'll be, we got to now hook you up. I don't even know Sheikh Yahya. Do you meet Sheikh Yahya? Rodas? Of course, my hero. Okay, good. Yeah, mashallah. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. So we have to keep uh, our um, dots in order. Yeah. Yeah. And we always have to have to walk. Yeah, we should have a war room. <laughs> we have Imam Amin, a pin there. We have a pin right. here, a pin yeah, in so Sheikh Yahya. He is at Sheikh Yasir up in North Jersey because he's Murad. in Bunton. Huh? Murad. Murad. He loves pins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you put, uh, we need a dot. And each one of us, we have to always be in communication on, on the regular. 
because uh, if you care about knowledge, then wherever knowledge is, you have to treat it like your family. That's what Imam Abu Yusuf said, right? It's like the it's like the blood ties of a family, because the the value of that is when you go around and you when you meet and the people of knowledge and I'm going to say people who care about knowledge. I wouldn't even call us people of knowledge, but people who care about knowledge are always meeting. They purify one another. They remove extremes from one another, and the people who follow them around uh, get to see different flavors. And what if one flavor is better, you know, suited to your personality or to your life or your background than something else? So that's why the safety is in the numbers of people who care about knowledge and always making tawaf amongst one another. So, inshallah ta'ala, that's our intention going inshallah. forward. Inshallah. And uh, unfortunately, you got to run to make it to Maghrib. So we will close our, our stream right here. Um, and tomorrow, we'll have a longer stream again and we'll take your q and I know the audience is used to Q&A. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow. We had a lot of guests here today, alhamdulillah. Uh, uh, say, yes, the timing, Ibrahim Khan is staying the same. 1.30, as always, we were just having lunch, and we had we just kept talking and talking and talking, and that's why we came in at 2. But alhamdulillah, anyway, because you were late anyway, right? You would have came here and not found us. So, all right, jazakumullah khairan, everyone. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wa al-asr, inna insana lafi khusr. إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Oh